easy and is available at all good bookstores. You can hear another chapter at the same time tomorrow. And that's how we conclude today's edition of Morning Talk with me, Nayelu Pondona, standing in for Vuyombudi. He's back tomorrow to do his thing, broadcasting uh, from Durban. Right now, we conclude the program and handing over to the Midday Live team. From me, Nayelu Pondona, and the team, Temba Dlamini and Patrick Munana. Have a wonderful day and Godspeed. Finance ministers from the BRICS countries are thrashing out proposals on setting up a development bank at the fifth BRICS summit in Durban. South African troops out of danger in the Central African Republic. Hello and welcome to your Tuesday edition of uh, Midday Live here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Bongi Kuala. We're together for another hour as we bring you top stories making headlines across the globe today. But first, let's say good afternoon to Utsile Saku with the news just after 12. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Thanks, Pongi. Top stories. Another strike hits Midupi power plant and a Congolese warlord to appear at The Hague. Good afternoon. Construction work at ESCOM's Midupi power plant in Limpopo has again been hit by a strike. Workers affiliated to NUM and Meusa have downed tools demanding to be paid bonuses, which they forfeited during the strike that ended two weeks ago. NUM spokesperson Taylor Gia says they've realized that some workers received the bonus even after they had embarked on an unprotected strike. The latest work stoppage follows an unprotected strike which lasted for almost two months. Gia says workers are demanding to be treated equally. What we are looking for is you, ESCOM, paying back what belongs to the employees. So that's why now we are at ESCOM to actually clarify that fact so that they can reinvest the money that belongs to the members. We don't have a choice. We need to make sure that they are paying what belongs to the members. We are not unreasonable. The only thing that they doesn't want to do is to pay. It's when we are on dispute. The, the Midupi construction site has been closed down due to alleged intimidation by the striking workers. Spokesperson for one of the workers' unions, the United Association of South Africa, Jonas Kekana, says some workers are running away from the site because they fear for their lives. Each and every employee is running out of sight now because there are lots of intimidations on site, as you are speaking. The, the guys that are on strike, they're actually making sure that no employee is working. They, they just want to make sure that everyone is joining them or they leave site. The problem is related to the project bonus. Other companies, so if an employee goes on the strike, they forfeit the project bonus for the whole year. Other companies, they only lose for that particular month. Military experts say South Africa's parliament should be more involved in decisions on deploying soldiers in conflict areas. The country is facing a wave of criticism after 13 South African soldiers were killed in the Central African Republic by rebel forces at the weekend. It has since emerged that Pretoria was warned by Central African Republic President Francois Bouzizé that the rebels were about to depose him. Bouzizé was in the country last Friday and met with President Jacob Zuma. Conflict management specialist Hassan Beruli says involving parliament is one way of taking a range of views into account before taking a decision. 
if it comes now to motives or other things which the people does not know, because we have the parliament which represents always the people, and the parliament should agree whether the local or the national army should take place in one activity or another outside of the country. So that's why we have the parliament in every country. So it's the role of the parliament to decide on that issue. National Police Commissioner Ria Piecha did not want to commit herself to a question if she believes that the August 16 police operation at Marikana was a success. 34 mine workers were killed when police opened fire on striking workers. Evidence leader Mbuiseli Majanga asked Piecha how the police intended to do what they had set out to do. He asked if both the intended and unintended outcomes had led her to believe it was a successful operation. Piecha responded as follows. In terms of planning, I do believe that the police did their work to plan accordingly. I also would say in terms of process, there was a disruption of the plan. And then the outcome, I would say, was unintended. And finally, the Congolese warlord Bosco Ndaganda will appear before the International Criminal Court for the first time later today after handing himself in to the American Embassy in Rwanda last week. The BBC's Anna Holligan is in The Hague. Bosco Ntaganda will be making history today as the first person indicted by the ICC to voluntarily surrender and appear before the court on request. The arrest warrant lists 10 counts, including murder and rape. He's also accused of using children to fight his battles throughout the mineral-rich Ituri region of the DRC. The judges are expected to set a date for the confirmation of charges hearing designed to determine whether there is sufficient evidence against Bosco and Taganda for him to stand trial. Recapping the top story, construction work at Eskom's Midubi power plant in Limpopo has again been hit by a strike. It's Midday Live. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next uh, 25 minutes or so. This is Midday Live, indeed, six minutes past 12. Finance ministers are working against time to thresh out a deal that will see the BRICS uh, uh, countries establishing a development bank. The idea is to have uh, an infrastructure-focused lender that will rival the World Bank, the IMF, and many other big institutions that have been really uh, in existence for over seven decades there. Now, there are many challenges as disputes remain over what the bank will do with, uh, with uh, each side trying to mould the institution to uh, their foreign or domestic policy goals. Each country will contribute we're told about $10 billion. Some are even suggesting that failure to secure a deal would be a, a major embarrassment uh, for many uh, of the participants and would play in the hands of those who argue the BRICS have little to bind them together. So we'll be asking that question but also we'll welcome your uh, contribution 34701 is our SMS line It will cost you two rand And uh, the event starts tonight At uh, 17.30 Greenwich Mean Time Or GMT So it should be about uh, 18.30 South African time And uh, the focus of the world Really uh, is uh, on Durban This time around And the recounting of uh, the Kenyan presidential poll results Is uh, currently underway This after the Supreme Court ordered A recount of votes cast at 22 polling stations But uh, our top story 
remains that of the South African troops in the Central African Republic. Defense Force Minister Nosivir Mapisa Ngagula saying they are out of danger for now. Uh, there have been calls for the troops there to be withdrawn from that country. There are even reports that at this stage they are at the airport somewhere. Uh, they are waiting to come back. The president yesterday said the issue of recalling them is out of the question for now. Instead, speaking of a reinforcement, what kind of reinforcement are we talking about? Are we talking more troops? Uh, equipment. To help us understand this uh, is uh, our senior political reporter, Matlazi Kalins. Uh, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Bongi. Help us understand. Do we know at this stage where these troops are? We hearing reports suggesting that they might even be at the airport. Are they coming back? What's happening? What are you hearing? We heard from uh, the Defence Force Minister Nosiviwema Pisangakula this morning saying that they have relocated their base. Remember, it was just a few kilometres outside of the capital, but we understand they are now at the airport. They are sharing space with the French troops that mm. are also there. Uh, and she's saying at the moment they are out of danger. But in terms of whether they are coming back or not, that is the big question. Uh, as you said, we've heard from President Jacob Zuma yesterday. He was instead talking about reinforcement no details in terms of what those reinforcements are. But also we had the Defence Minister admitting uh, that at the moment uh, the South African troops have no business in the CAR because there is no government in place at the moment. Mm. Therefore there is no training that they will be doing and they do not recognise this group of rebels called the Seleka uh, rebels. Therefore they will not be doing any training. So that then remains the question, why are they still there? According to the Minister though she's saying that they will not take what she's calling a knee-jerk uh, decision to say that they must come back. They will assess the situation and then decide. Perhaps decide, uh, a sign that maybe they are near the airport, but at the moment, no official word that they will be coming back home. We'll be hearing from the minister shortly, but uh, do you think uh, we, we fully understand uh, South Africa? We've been told everything about why these, uh, these troops were up there in the first place. You know, Bangi, I, don't, I think that people are still asking more questions in, despite the answers that are coming forward. Uh, you know, we did mention that uh, the government has admitted that by Friday already they were warned by uh, the pre President Bozize that he was about to be deposed, uh, but the minister said that, you know, they took that lightly because it was not the first time that they were hearing it. So people are asking questions around uh, the military intelligence. We knew that the secu security situation there was deteriorating. Why not take a decision to go? And already we had heard some of the associating the South African military with uh, Bozizis government perhaps danger there. So we still don't know. But also another question remains around mm. what exactly were we doing in the Central African Republic. Uh, we have heard from uh, President Jacob Zuma, we have heard from the Minister of Defense, Nosibuema Pisangakula, saying that we were there to train. But we have come across, we've decided to go back and look at some of the press statements that we've received and some of the documents that we've received in terms of South Africa's deployment in the CAR mm. and one of the things that we came across was answers to parliament written replies to parliament and one of the issues that, uh, one of the answers here is that it says that the SNDF deployment in the CAR is divided into two mainly Operation Morero a unit of the SANDF Special Forces that was deployed in the CAR to provide VIP protection to President Bozize 
and Operation Vimbizela, the SNDF's mission involved in the refurbishment of the military bases and the training of the military personnel of that country. This is what the press statement says, but in an interview... With w- when was this? This was actually released in uh, 2011. Okay. This was uh, from 2011. And... but. Surprisingly, when we did speak to uh, the minister yesterday, she basically denied that they were ever there to protect an individual. One thing that the president made very clear, and, and in fact I may as well say that it is something that I've communicated to President Buzis, not once, not twice, was that South Africa was not there to protect President Buzis. And in fact, uh, if he had his way, he would have had our units uh, being his bodyguards. But even in the country here in South Africa, the defense force does not look after uh, leadership. They're not VIP uh, protectors. It's the police that have that mandate. So our, our defense force does not have the mandate of looking after VIP people. And this has been made very clear. Yeah, we hear that. But also uh, another thing that has been raised here is that we were protecting South African assets. Took us through that. Yes, uh, what we do know is that in 2007 there were 28 uh, soldiers that were sent to the Central African Republic and their mandate was to build capacity for uh, the CAR uh, army. We do know that by January this year following visits by the minister herself to the Central African Republic that number, there was an agreement that that number will be increased to 400 but by the time the coup happened we had just over 200 soldiers there and the minister maintains that uh, basically, the number was increased because of the security situation that was deteriorating to protect the trainers, but also to protect uh, the South African assets. And we did ask her yesterday, what were these assets? In a country that, that really has nothing, that had nothing even when we started this, this, this capacity building, we then had to move in with ammunition, uh, small firearms, uh, vehicles, and so on. And those are the kinds of assets that we are referring to. And that is what we did. And therefore, we never prepared ourselves for a battle because we were not there to fight a battle. We were simply there to do this training and the reinforcement that we sent. We sent that reinforcement to make sure that what belongs to South Africa is duly protected. Reasons being that you don't want your weapons, you don't want your material to fall in the wrong hands in the event there is that kind of confrontation in that country. And uh, of course, uh, that's uh, Defence Minister Nasif Vyoma Pisangakulamasa Tukalens, our senior political reporter. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bongi. Let's stay with this story. And uh, I caught up with uh, an independent political analyst, that's uh, Dr. Spamandla Zondi. And I asked the question that I asked you, Matlatse, uh, as to what exactly were our troops doing in the Central African Republic? We've come to understand over the past uh, five months, at least from about November, that uh, South Africa had a contingent of about 26 troops that were conducting training uh, of the military in the Central African Republic uh, in an exercise of a similar to what uh, South African troops have been doing in Burundi, in the DRC, uh, in Sudan, and in a few other countries in an effort to try and strengthen uh, these countries' military capacity so that they don't have to depend on external powers or be easily pushed over by rebels of whatever nature, backed up by whoever. And that when this, uh, this contingent of 26 
ships were then in danger because of the rebel uh, move from the north of, 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 of the Central African Republic towards Bangui in December, early December. Uh, South Africa decided to increase the number of troops uh, now to protect these 26 and the equipment that has been used for training and uh, to obviously protect South Africa's interests, including business interests, I think, uh, on, on the ground. And that is how we end up with 200 troops but, instead uh, of 26 but on the, the ground. Dr. Zondi, it, it's not coming out clearly as to what are these uh, assets, South African assets, that we are protecting in the Central African Republic. One has just to assume, and um, having experienced this and observed directly, uh, the training that South African troops were doing in Burundi, for example, where I've seen it, and also in the DRC. The South Africa brings a lot of uh, armored vehicles, it brings uh, weaponry, it brings tents, it brings uh, normal vehicles that are used by trainers or by use for itself. It puts up tents, it puts up barracks mm. uh, for the papers. And, and now let's assume those are the assets. Besides then the assets of private businesses uh, from South Africa that the South African state is obliged to protect uh, when they are in danger in other countries. Did we even understand the terrain itself? I mean, the danger that uh, uh, our, our <coughs> troops were facing there. I guess maybe what I'm asking is for you to unpack yes. the region for us, please. Yes. I, 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 I would assume that South Africa would have understood this because the normal tactic is that before you deploy troops, you actually undertake uh, studies, uh, checking and assessing the environment, especially by technical experts from the military and all of that. And South Africa's embassy would be on the ground anyway, so they really understand the, the nature of the, the terrain. In any way, the terrain is not as bad as the route was when we sent troops under President Mandela in the, in, in, in the past. And, and that, what I think may have caused problems in this particular case, is an assumption that as is normal practice, that uh, rebels would not attack a foreign force that is on the ground, uh, but would focus on the national force uh, that is part of the government. And but in this case, they, they must have been surprised to find themselves under fire. It doesn't quite normally happen uh, in a number of cases where it's seen uh, uh, rebels take over government in the midst of external forces that in charge, where they charged from government in 2008, okay. or in, in Sudan, where we saw the military uh, charging on uh, Khartoum. And uh, that's uh, Dr. Spamandla Zondi, independent political analyst, talking about the latest in the Central African Republic. And uh, TK asks, can we get a progress report on this capacity building program that our troops were doing in the Central African Republic? Didn't even know our army had such uh, great skills there. Ask uh, uh, TK, who SMSed us on 34701. It's uh, 18 and a half minutes past 12.
Our top story this hour, construction work at ESCOM's Medupi Power Plant in Limpopo has again been hit by a strike. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,600.10 an ounce. Platinum trading at $1,574.50 an ounce. The rent trading at 9.30 against the US dollar at 14.10 to the pound and 11.90 to the euro. In an effort to understand the conditions under which people live and deliver appropriate services, the Mpumalanga Provincial Government will visit your household to collect information. Please welcome the data collectors when they come to your household. Data collectors will be wearing orange reflectors written Pumalanga Provincial Government at the front and provincial profiling at the back. For more information, call Peter Nonyane 083-593-0314 or December Gambule 082-221-7681, or our toll-free number 0800-204098. If you're a business person, you want to grow your profits. But what if you could combat climate change and save water at the same time? It's possible if you register for the Greening Your Business digital course offered by NetBank and Business Day. The course will help you cut costs as well as create newer, greener products. It's also free if you're one of the first 2,000 to sign up. So, take the first step. Register now at www.greeningyourbusiness.co.za. If I were to tell you that a simple act like boiling less water in your kettle next time you make a cup of tea could have an influence on South Africa's future, you'd probably think I was joking. (laughs) After all, you're just one person. It's one kettle, one cup. But South Africa is a water-scarce region whose water resources are vital. Let's remember that each and every one of us has a responsibility to conserve water and protect our future. Water is life. Respect it. Conserve it. Enjoy it. A message brought to you by the Department of Water Affairs. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 21 minutes past 12. Indeed, this is a midday live on SFM 104 to 107. Finance ministers are working against time to thresh out a deal that will see BRICS establish a development bank. The idea is to have an infrastructure-focused lender that will, as they say, rival the World Bank. And, of course, uh, the Department of Trade and Industry has been holding a DTI forum meeting uh, on the sidelines of uh, the fifth BRICS summit underway in Durban. Our reporter, Tsepo Mongwai, attended the meeting and he joins us on the line. Good afternoon to you, uh, Tsepo. Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. You are at uh, one of our studios there at uh, the Inkosi Albert Lutuli ICC Center, Convention Center in Durban. Now, mm. talk us through this uh, trade and industry uh, uh, forum that, uh, that has been taking place. What is it all about and who attended? Well, you'll remember uh, there was a, a need to establish a forum uh, of business uh, people within BRICS uh, so they all came together, and we know that the main aim is to uh, eventually come up with a business council. Now, from uh, reliable sources, they, I mean, it, it, we, we all know that it has been established, uh, and it, it, com- it comprises of uh, five members from each country. So in total, there will be about 25 uh, people who will form part of this business council, it will discuss issue of co- uh, partnership and cooperation in, the bus- in, in business. So it comprises of people from various business chambers and other business form- formations. And uh, uh, this morning uh, there were different, uh, uh, you know, 
presentation that were done by the business chambers from various BRICS countries, China, Brazil, uh, Russia, and, and as well as South Africa. In South Africa, Business Unity South Africa and, uh, and BBEC, Black Business uh, Council, they also delivered some presentation in terms of how they uh, see this uh, partnership going forward. Uh, there was mention of various sectors of possible uh, cooperation. Uh, for South Africa, um, uh, Business Unity South Africa's President Chabumabuze mentioned that uh, he feels that uh, other BRICS countries should open up their market, or mm. that there isn't much market access when you look at your other BRICS countries, but South Africa has gone all out to open its market. Uh, so they should look at that. There's issue of where they can cooperate, mining, IT, infrastructure. Those are some of the areas of co- uh, uh, cooperation that were stated. Uh, some raised concerns uh, that there wasn't much mention of uh, small business in terms of how they will feature going forward. But okay. we do know that uh, Black Business Council will be officially launched and perhaps its role and mandate will be clarified much better. So, so this is not just an advisory for, forum, but uh, you, you're suggesting that or you're telling us that uh, they will dirty their hands really with uh, identifying opportunities for, for, for businesses and, and, and also creating those business opportunities in, 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 in all the five BRICS countries. No, no absolutely. Um, uh, although I don't think it's going to have a, a, a secretariat, although some are mentioning that there might be a permanent secretariat, uh, to ensure that there's ongoing engagement going forward. Uh, uh, unlike the business forum, a business forum, it was like a once in, in a year kind of forum where members would meet. Okay. But with the council, they really want constant meetings and threshing out issues as and when it matters uh, okay. on an ongoing basis. So, but talking about threshing out issues right now, uh, I, I hear that uh, um, um, BRICS finance ministers are really, really trying hard to get uh, this deal going. Uh, Disputes remain over what the bank will do with each side trying to mould the institution to their foreign or domestic policy goals and with each other looking for assurances of an equitable return on their initial investment, uh, reports uh, one, one uh, publication this morning, investment of 10 billion rand from, from each country. Mm-hmm. Just talk us through the, how far are they from hammering that deal so that when their principles come this afternoon, the deal is thrashed out already? Well, um, those discussions, they normally happen behind closed doors. But I, I've spoken to someone who's quite close to issues and who has been working on, on, on that uh, project uh, for year, I mean, uh, a while ago. And he said that the issue is modality, but the agreement is there. And uh, he's quite confident that South Africa would be given a green light to have uh, the bank headquartered here mm. uh, but the issue is you've got a development bank in each of the BRICS country with resources now the issue is uh, they've been saying that it looks like the model that we're coming up it actually duplicates what they already have in their respective countries I mean in South Africa we've got DBS, uh, DBSA for example and IDC uh, that fund projects. Okay. Now, they want something that would not uh, emulate or duplicate what is already there. Uh, it, it's a fine balancing act. I'm sure you'd understand that, you know, uh, what other country 
prefers might not necessarily be what the other wants. Okay. Uh, and, and maybe they might already have something similar to what other countries proposing. All right. Uh, but I think that one would be, will be ironed out. Sepo Mungwai is uh, our economics reporter in Durban. Thank you very much. Let's uh, now talk uh, to uh, Aulong Yu uh, from China Labor Net. Uh, good afternoon to you, uh, Aulong Yu. Hello, good afternoon. China Labor Net, what are you guys all about and uh, why are you here in South Africa and uh, what were, you, were your presentations at, uh, at the BRICS Summit? Uh, we are based in Hong Kong and are monitoring uh, the China labor conditions. And uh, we are here because uh, uh, I think um, they, we, uh, the, whole, the China labor uh, share the same interests with the African labor in the sense that uh, China's uh, uh, the companies, uh, it is uh, state-owned or All right, so we're going to try and uh, get that line back. We were talking there to Aulong Yu uh, from uh, China Labor Net, uh, of course, talking about uh, what's happening in Durban at uh, the BRICS uh, Summit there. It's the fifth BRICS Summit happening for the first time, by the way, on uh, African soil. I'll be reading your SMSs. Maybe let me just go to the uh, just a couple of uh, SMSs. Uh, coming from Stay in Natal, there is one thing wrong with uh, being a soldier is that you follow instructions uh, to the letter Imagine U.S. Army in Iraq, now our own in uh, C.A.R. there. That's T in uh, KwaZulu-Natal. So, how long you you back? I'm sorry about that, but uh, you were still explaining. But uh, uh, the, 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 there is an issue here that uh, China markets are closed to, to the world, but uh, you, you find a lot of labor coming out of, of China to, to many African countries, South Africa uh, in particular. What do you make of that? Uh, I think uh, uh, the, uh, it, the situation uh, is a result, part of it, is a result of too, much, too many unemployment in China. And uh, it is official policy to uh, solve this unemployment uh, through exploitation of labor, which I think it is uh, uh, quite uh, uh, absurd because there should be enough jobs mm. in China for all Chinese working people. The strange thing about China's growth is that it is not creating enough jobs. Mm. Because most of the, some of these investments, either it goes uh, to a speculation market or it is so heavily capital intensive that it is not creating enough jobs. So... And, uh, 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 and the monopolies of state, state capital to an extent and also factor uh, the, uh, the abuses of bureaucratic uh, systems, which makes the small business very, very hard under very heavy taxes. Mm. These things which, which, which really is a, 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 a make jobs difficult to create in China, but this should, be not, should not be that difficult to solve. So I think the priority for the Chinese government is to create jobs inside China, rather. You, you, you have common interest with, uh, for instance, uh, labor here in uh, South Africa. And what are you hoping the fifth BRICS summit uh, will, will, will give you? What, what, what are you hoping for? 
I think uh, 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 here we have uh, conferences with uh, South African uh, people that you know, we can see that, that uh, the, the good uh, elites are not listening to the people at all. Uh, from the Chinese perspective, uh, the Chinese quick-making uh, 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 quick growth is hurting the Chinese people as well. Okay. And why do we why do we need to go to other parts of the world to hurt other people? So it's, uh, we need to tell them that uh, this growth model with corporations uh, pursuing uh, profits without any democratic control okay. is leading us to, uh, 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 is, is, is really um, uh, hurting us all. Alright, so we thank you very much, Ao Long Yu from uh, the China Labour Net there joining us on the line. Of course, they are attending the fifth BRICS summit underway in Durban just after half past. Apologies, Utsila Saku with the news headlines. Thanks, Pongi. In the headlines, the family of one of the South African soldiers who were shot dead in the Central African Republic says they're distraught at the news of his death. The SANDF has confirmed that 29-year-old Karabo Mateka was one of the 13 soldiers killed. Construction work at Eskom's Midupi power plant in Limpopo has again been hit by a strike. Workers affiliated to NUM and Meusa have downed tools demanding to be paid bonuses which they forfeited during the strike that ended two weeks ago. And the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs has activated all disaster management centres across the province. This follows a warning by the weather essay of possible heavy downpours and severe thunderstorms over parts of the province. A full bulletin at one o'clock. Thank you very much, Lucilla. Let's cross now to Nancy Richards. What's coming up on your Tuesday edition of uh, Otherwise? All right, and Nancy is there um, not... Oh, you, you are on Yes, yes, I'm here. I'm, oh, yes, yes, oh. alive and well. Oh, yeah, I like that, I like that. What you got for us today? Well, I tell you what, we've got good news in terms of women's health care from Jeffrey's Bay. We're going to be talking to the founder of a, a mother and baby health clinic there. We found ourselves a mold. Tell us what's up in the free state in terms of women. And we'll be dipping into Sufi narratives on intimacy. That's with author Sadia Sheikh. So do join us if you can. It's coming up right after the news at one. Thanks. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you very much, uh, there, Nancy. It's uh, 27 minutes to one. This is the Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. National Police Commissioner Ria Pierre has refused to commit herself to an answer when asked the question of whether or not she believes that the August 16 police operation at Marikana was a success. She said this during a cross-examination at the Marikana Commission of Inquiry. Proceedings at yesterday's hearings were overshadowed by the reported death of Alton Georgia, the Sangoma believed to have performed rituals on uh, protesting, uh, or rather protecting the miners on uh, August 16. For more now, we're joined on the line by our reporter, Lizelle Labushakni. Good afternoon to you, Lizelle. Good afternoon, Bongi. Uh, talk us through uh, the, the refusal uh, by, by the police commissioner to uh, commit herself to an answer when asked uh, that question of whether or not she believes that uh, the police operated, operation at Marikana was a success on the 16th of August. Yeah, we first heard this morning that she was asked if she believed that what had happened at Marikana were the best of police's responsible um, 
what happened was the rest of the police's responsibility. Um, we know that she did say that during uh, a briefing with the police on the 20th of August. And later we heard that the police's radio systems were not working effectively, that the police were shooting from um, various directions and that some of the police officials could have been caught in crossfire. But the Echa said she was not on the ground, she's not an operational commander, and that she was not the best person to answer such questions. And she did also not want to commit herself to say if the operation in totality was a success. She did say that the plan that the police had was a good plan, but that in the execution of the plan, things went wrong, and that the outcome of what had happened on the 16th of August was unintended, and that um, she cannot qualify if it was a success or if it was not a success. Mm. Who is cross-examining now uh, the police, National Police Commissioner? We are still seeing um, evidence leader Matt Langa cross-examining Pierre now for the third day. We believe that it will be quite a long cross-examination from him and that we will probably see Pierre understand for quite a number of weeks. Uh, because of all the public holidays, of course, we are having very short weeks. That is not helping us at all. But currently he is busy with um, the National Development Plan and the recommendations that were made in that plan for the police um, should change from a military structure to a, a structure that is more um, focused on service. So she's answering questions on that, um, but we haven't had a lot of straight answers from the thus far. Um, she deferred a lot of questions um, to other commanders that we know will testify after her, saying that qualified and better qualified um, to answer such questions. And the Madlanga at some stage even said to her that she's being deliberately vague and um, doesn't want to answer um, questions. And I think we will be here for quite a long time still. Still a long way to go for the National Police Commissioner. But uh, uh, the issue really that uh, overshadowed uh, the proceedings yesterday was that of uh, Alton Georgia, who we understand was gunned down. Uh, was today the commission back in the full swing of things? Yes, yesterday, of course, um, first thing we heard that Mr. Georgia was killed in the Eastern Cape, and we know that the police wanted to call him as a witness to come and testify on what had happened on the copy and what type of traditional um, rituals that he um, did perform there. And um, it looks like as soon as um, community members and other parties got to know about Mr. Georgia's involvement in the commission, he was then um, gunned down. And, of course, it was a shock. Not much was saying um, from Judge Ian Fallon, he only asked the way that happened, and um, Advocate Ishmael Semenya then promised that the police will investigate the matter and um, see what comes out from the investigation into the death of Georgia. But it again brought back the, the issue of the safety of witnesses. Um, we do know that another witness, Mr. X, is said to testify um, for the police as well. What we can um, ascertain at this stage is that he is a mine worker who were um, part of the group that were killing um, other mine workers and also security guards on the 16th of August. And thus far, we um, did not hear his name. The police did not reveal his identity because they fear that he too might be at risk. Um, and so there is still this issue, and there's no clarification on how the commission is going to ensure that that crucial witnesses are protected.
Thank you very much uh, to our reporter, the Lizette Labuskakhni. It's uh, 22 minutes to 1 right here on uh, Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's welcome on the line right now the Reverend Frank Chikane, former Director General in the office of uh, former President uh, Thabo There has released a new book entitled Things That Could Not Be Said. The book follows hot on the heels of uh, uh, the hotly debated eight days in September. In the latest book, he focuses attention on a range of issues that uh, Mr. Mbegi was criticized for, including, by the way, Zimbabwe AIDS and uh, the suspension of uh, uh, NPA boss there, Vusi Pikoli. Reverend Chikane, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Uh, last yeah. year, you, it's very nice to be talking to the man of the cloth, but uh, last year you released eight days in September. Is it things mm. that could not be said a continuation of that, or is it a standalone? No, actually, I mean, the history is that I decided I was going to write about the things I couldn't say. Remember, when you are a public servant, mm. you can't engage publicly except about government activity. Even when things I felt were going wrong, I couldn't engage at a party political level. Remember, a civil servant is like a pastor. You can't engage with party political issues. You can engage with politics, but not party political. Sure. And so I was for 13 and a half years, really, I couldn't say what I wanted to say. So I started writing the book, and then when I was at chapter 17, the publisher said to me, you've got two books in one. One book is about the removal of Mbeki, and the other is about policy issues and issues you have to deal with, and you should separate the two. And that's really what has happened. So eight days was about the removal of Mbeki and the issues related to it. Mm. And this particular one deals with substance, what I would call substance of the 13 and a half years, the issues I was involved in personally in dealing with them because I thought it is of vital importance for the nation to understand how government runs, the complications that go with it, and so people can learn from it. My view is that we can't rely on books from Europe and the United States. We need to write about our own history and we must learn from it so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past because as human beings we do make mistakes. But uh, Reverend Chikane, does this uh, book help us understand, for instance, what happened, uh, that issue between uh, uh, Advocate Vusi Piccoli there and the police commissioner, uh, why uh, Mr. Piccoli was uh, was suspended? Uh, Does the book help us to to, to understand that? The book, the chapter, yeah, there's a chapter on that particular matter. It deals with it in detail. The only problem is, and you'll see from the introduction, our introductory chapter, that I say those people who are expecting the popular views repeated in the book will be disappointed because I'm not repeating the popular views. I'm trying to reflect the reality as I understood it. And this reality for me, it's not about Jackie Philippe and um, Piccoli, Vulce Piccoli, but it was how um, syndicates operated and how they can distort reality and how they can actually go, go scot-free 
which is what that chapter is all about. And okay. when one reads it, you will see the concerns that I have, that the risk of being run by criminal entities is very high unless you are very, very conscious about it. And this is what this country should be conscious about. Do you expect certain parts or even certain chapters of the book to be to be challenged, you know, to be... As, as I would, I would want to believe is critical of certain things and how they were done. Uh, you remember, for instance, the first book uh, was, was challenged quite, quite extensively. Uh, I remember uh, Dr. Zuelim Kiz and Gwazun Natal was, uh, was uh, almost uh, angry about certain parts of the book that, uh, that, 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 that you wrote. Yeah, but, but you see, I think the, the problem about that is that I think there were two statements made the first week or two after that book was published. And those were the only statements made about that book. The rest, their responses were highly positive. Mm. And, and so I don't actually think that the masses of the people uh, view it as a problem. I think it's a challenge. By the way, we can't all agree on the same event. You know, it's like an elephant. It depends on which side of that elephant you were. Sure. Um, and we can be in the same room and understand things differently. So I'm not expecting that everybody will agree with me about those issues. That's why I've said I have started, I believe we must write. Those who have views must also write their books. Okay. They may differ with me, but let's put it into the marketplace of ideas so that in history, so that the masses of the people can engage with that history okay. and then make up their minds about it, yeah. Okay, two questions in one. Do you do you sit yeah. down with uh, the former president uh, Tabombegi when 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 you write these books? And and also, no, no. is it uh, President Mbegi talking here? No, not at all. Actually, I kept Pastor President Mbegi out of it. He has no hand in it. He has no responsibility. I've not even shown him the scripts before they are published. He sees them as they come from the press. I remember that some of the editors who were saying to me, but why do you talk about Mbeki as if you can't clarify this? I would say Mm. this matter, I'm not sure what the position is that you would have taken, but this is my view about it. And Mm. the editors would say to me, why can't you go and talk to him about it and clarify it? And why why can't you? I don't want to involve him. Because this is my book, this is about me, it's not about Mbeki. Actually, if you look at the two books, they are not books about Mbeki, they are books about the issues. Even the eight days, it's about removal, it's not about him. I mean, if you want to write a book about Mbeki, it would be a completely different type of book. You're talking about uh, AIDS, for instance, uh, We and, and pre- uh, former President uh, Tabombeg was uh, come to be known uh, as a denialist, some would say, but you're saying that uh, the, the, the policy that we're using right now, in fact, was crafted in 2003. That's it. You know, I think there were lots of misunderstandings about the AIDS issue. If you read Mbeki between 1994 and to 1999, he was the champion of the HIV AIDS program. He is the one who made us campaign, put labels on us, made sure that we promote this until 1999. And then he made one speech which changed 
the, the understanding of his position. And then into 2000 and 2001, we went into the debate about denialists. And by 2003, we then decided we need to turn the tide because it's not taking us where we will be able to deal with the challenges. And that's why by 2003, we then presented to cabinet a proposal that formed the framework of the current policy. So from 2003 up to now, that is actually the policy that is being followed. And what happened is that in terms of the media, they actually missed the moment of 2003 because they focused more on the history of this debate about denialists into 2008. That was still the debate, but they ignored the policy. And that policy is the one on which uh, actually it was called, called the best policy in the world. All right. Uh, in terms of dealing with HIV and AIDS, yeah. We got you. Thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, Reverend Frank Chikane there talking about uh, his latest uh, uh, publication there. Things that could not be said from A, AIDS, to Z, Zimbabwe. We'll leave it at that and uh, we go to now the dealing room and we say good afternoon to Mpo More of uh, Sasfin Securities. Mpo, uh, how are the markets trading today? I see uh, metal prices uh, lower this morning. How has that uh, affected trade? Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. Our market is trading higher as the Femarin continues to benefit from uh, positive sentiment caused by the Cyprus deal bailout. Uh, markets are also better in Europe where the foot is up 0.1% uh, DEX up a quarter of a percent and the CAC 40 is half a percent better. Back to the JSC, we've got the gold index down 0.1% resource index up 0.46% industrial index up 0.6% financial index up 1% the overall market is up 257 points, or 0.64% to 40,266 points. Any big movers today? Uh, on the upside, we've got Barlow World up 3.5% to 95 rands and 22 cents. Upsa up 2.85% to 160 rands and 45 cents. Steinhoff up uh, 2.8% to 24 rands and 91 cents. Kumba INO up 2.7% to 480 rands and 59 cents. Nas up 2.1% to 573 rands and 11 cents. On the downside, we've got Last Healthcare down 2.7% to 33 rands and 49 cents. City Lodge down 1.8% to 110 rands and 77 cents. Altec down 1.3% to 38 rands and 25 cents. British American Tobacco down 1.1% to 490 rands and 97 cents. And lastly, South African breweries down 1% to 481 rands and 62 cents. Uh, I see there's uh, also uh, CIPLA MedPro there making announcement and Mirafi Resources. Talk us through those. Sure. Uh, CIPLA released their full year result. Uh, diluted earnings per share were down 30% to 36.4 cents. as against 52.1 cents previously. Revenue, however, was up uh, 30% to 2.3 billion rands. No dividend was declared, and CIPLA Metro is currently trading 0.6% higher at 9 rands and 19 cents. Merafi Resources announced that uh, European benchmark uh, ferrocom prices have been settled at 127 US cents per pound for the second quarter of 2013, an increase of uh, 13% from the 112 cents, uh, US cents sorry, per pound uh, previously. Merafi Resources can trading 1.3% higher at uh, 77 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators? The gold price is currently quoted $1,599.03 an ounce, platinum $1,570.70 a fine ounce, 
Brent crude to $107.62 per barrel. The government R1 fast 7 is trading at a of 5.49%. And now to our currencies, the range to the dollar is at 9 rands and 24 cents. The range to the euro is at 11 rands and 90 cents. The range to the pound is at 14 rands and 3 cents. Back to you, Bonsi. Thank you very much to Paul Moore of uh, Sasfin Securities. Just a couple of SMSs for you there. We all hear about uh, the Marikana Commission, but very little about the arms deal commission, except suspicious stuff that goes on there. Is it still alive? That says Pio in KwaZulu-Natal asking there. Why should our soldiers be shot dead after Bafana Bafana beat their national team there? Uh, investigation must be carried out. Carried out. This one is unsigned. And uh, let's go to this one. Uh, President Zuma has advised against sending soldiers into Africa now. Now he must uh, fully take blame. That's Matthew Sechota there in uh, Bokam in Limpopo. But there is one thing wrong with uh, being a soldier in this country. I think I've read that one from Stay in KwaZulu-Natal. Why can't uh, Ria Piecha just step down from a public office? It is pretty clear she is neither cooperative nor competent. That's uh, Bongan in Palm Springs. And uh, the final one comes from Plumfontein there, KB uh, Moalosi, saying that no declaration of a day or two of mourning for uh, our fallen heroes, uh, rather heroes, from uh, the president. Shame on this government. That's KB there uh, writing to us on 34701. In Radio VUCA at a quarter to four this afternoon, think how much everyone else will learn from working with consummate professionals. And where do you think we're going to find these consummate professionals? I don't know. At a theatre cafe? Oh, yes. Having a smoke with their friends. The painters, the philosophers, and the courtesans. This isn't the 19th century, darling. Professional theatre actors are all dead. From what I hear, it sounds like the chaps on this board are a tough bunch. They are. We'll need a lot of smart talking to convince them. Mm. And we must all be clear on what our ideas are, so we can present a united front. Yes, yes. All for one, one for all, and all for the rhino success. Don't miss Radio VUCA at a quarter to four. Nelson Mandela Square presents Handel's Messiah in conjunction with SAFM, conducted by Richard Koch with the Festival Orchestra and the Symphony Choir of Johannesburg. The Handel's Messiah Easter Celebration is a performance that will end your Easter weekend on a high note. This Easter Monday from 4 to 7 p.m. Entrance is free. Provision has been made for rain and donations will be collected for charity. For more information, visit our website at safm.co.za. SAFM. South Africa's news and information leader. Let's go to Nairobi now where the recounting of the Kenyan presidential poll results is currently underway. This after the Supreme Court ordered a recount of votes cast at 22 polling stations there. The verdict was given on the first day of the pre-trial hearings in presidential petitions filed by Prime Minister Raila Odinga and members of Kenya's civil society challenging the declaration of Uhuru Kenyatta as winner of March 4th elections and the electoral process that culminated in that announcement respectively. For more now, we're joined on the line by our correspondent from Kenya, Sarah Kimani. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Bongi. 
the retiling of uh, the presidential poll uh, poll uh, results at least in 22 polling stations underway just talk us through what is happening right now does this create yet another tension in Kenya and just talk us through the process itself uh, what is happening is uh, the court yesterday ordered the Supreme Court that uh, retelling is done from uh, 22 polling stations, but only for the presidential votes. So th- that is what is happening now. Uh, it is uh, not open to the media. There's uh, very tight security. And uh, the, those who are telling, I expected that by tomorrow, 4 p.m. Kenyan time, they will be able to give uh, the Supreme Court those results. Mm. The idea is uh, for the court to be able to see whether the votes that uh, were cast are indeed uh, similar to what uh, the register says. Is this a sample uh, of the national vote or were there problems in the 22 stations, at least suspected problems? Uh, it is uh, where the Prime Minister in his petition filed and uh, gave indications that he thought uh, the, the number of ballots uh, cast for the President were inflated compared to what was cast for the other uh, five elective, elective posts. Uh, and so uh, the, the, during the status conference, they decided that they would uh, uh, do away with that first so that by the time they are going to the main hearing, which should either start tomorrow or on Thursday, then they will have established whether indeed the Prime Minister has a case as far as that is concerned. 22 polling stations of uh, a couple of thousands, uh, how much of a significant will, will, will this be? Well, uh, when we speak to legal analysts, they're saying, uh, assume uh, that it is seen that in fact some of them were inflated, then it could represent uh, uh, that indeed there is need to retally, and the Prime Minister would probably have a case to say, now I want all the others retallied, and uh, the fact that he has... We understand now as the pre-trial hearings are going on that he's actually added another 122 where he feels that it's contentious. Of course, out of 33,400, might be very little, but legal analysts say it may give his case some weight. All right. uh, Thank you very much uh, to Sarah Kimani, our Kenyan correspondent there. Let's go to Zimbabwe now. We hear the European Union has suspended most sanctions against Zimbabwe as a reward for holding a peaceful referendum on uh, March 16. Let's say good afternoon to our correspondent there. Shingai Nyoga, talk us through this move by the European Union. Well, uh, the announcement uh, was made uh, yesterday. Uh, This was a decision by the foreign ministers of the European Union. Um, And as you said, um, 81 uh, members of uh, President Mugabe's uh, party were removed uh, from the sanctions list. And so essentially the the sanctions against President Mugabe himself, um, his wife and eight others, uh, most of them senior military officials, uh, remain. And and Zangfiat itself has said um, that it won't accept um, any any, um, review of sanctions unless it's to announce that there's a total and unconditional um, lifting of the sanctions um, on the ground, uh, really, there's been very little response because the EU sanctions specifically uh, refer to individuals, and it's a travel and an asset ban on these, um, unlike the American sanctions, which um, are, are not broader. And so really on the ground, uh, there's, there's very little indifference about the impact that this will have um, on Zimbabwe going ahead. But uh, can, can the Zimbabweans really afford to wait for the whole removal of sanctions there? Uh, are they not going to take what they get given, uh, that uh, the president at least and, uh, and his wife will remain on the sanctions list? Well, I think there's a lot of debate here about the, the impacts that these uh, particular sanctions have had 
uh, President Robert Mugabe has said that um, they're responsible for the economic woes um, over the last decade. Uh, but I think going towards elections, the sense really is that um, these sanctions will not really make a difference in terms of uh, leveling uh, the playing field. President Mugabe would like to believe that um, it's part of what he calls the regime change agenda. But according to him, really, there's, there's very little difference in terms of the impact that it's going to have um, on, on elections expected later this year. Shinganyoka, our Harare correspondent, thank you very much. Our top stories of this hour, Defense, Form, uh, uh, Defense Force Minister Nosivio Mapisangakula has said the South African troops in the Central African Republic are out of danger for now. Our senior political reporter is Matlatsi Kalins. The South African troops have no business in the CAR because there is no government in place at the moment. Therefore, there is no training that they will be doing and they do not recognize this group of rebels called the Seleka rebels. Questions are being raised about the relationship between South Africa and the Central African Republic in the wake of uh, the 13 local soldiers who were killed during a rebel uprising in the African country. Political analyst from the Institute of Global Dialogue, Dr. Spamandla Zondi. When this particular were then in danger because of a rebel move from the north of the Central African Republic towards Bangui. Early December, South Africa decided to increase the number of troops to protect South Africa's business interests. Former Director General in the office of uh, former President Thabo Mbeki, Reverend Frank Chikane, has released a new book entitled Things That Could Not Be Said. He spoke to us a little earlier on. I kept Transport President Mbeki out of it. He has no hand in it. He has no responsibility. I've not even shown him the scripts before they are published. The team today, Nomalizo Mandela, Mabubulok, and Stagaza Lamini, technical producer Judy Motupi, and executive producers Busi Chane and Aubrey Sechewi. See you again tomorrow for your midweek edition of uh, Midday Live here on SAFM. Bye-bye. Well, up next here on SAFM, it's time for Otherwise Talking Women. And what we have on the show today, well, we have good news in terms of women's health care from Jeffreys Bay, talking to the founder of a mother and baby health clinic there. And we found ourselves a mole to tell us what's up as concerns women in the free state. And after that, we'll be dipping into Sufi narratives on intimacy with author Sadia Sheikh. So do stay with us for all of that. But right now, it's just after one o'clock. Time for the news with Utsile Saku. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Thanks, Nancy. Top stories at one o'clock. A family of South African soldier killed in the Central African Republic speaks out. And President Zuma praises South Africa's relationship with China. Good afternoon.